I wish I could offer up something more telling, more poetic, something more thematically pertinent to the life that was to follow, but I can't, and I must be honest, here of all places. The first pages of the lifelong though intermittent journal that I began to keep from the age of fifteen are missing. No great loss, and, doubtless, like the avowals that begin almost all intimate journals, mine too would have commenced with the familiar determination to be wholly and unshakably truthful. I would have sworn an oath to absolute candour, and asserted my refusal to feel shame over any revelations which that candour would have encouraged. Why do we urge ourselves on in this way, us journal-keepers? Do we fear the constant threat of backsliding the urge to tinker and cover up? Other aspects of our lives, things we do, feel, and think, that we daren't confess even to ourselves, even in the absolute privacy of our private record— Anyway, I'm sure I vowed to tell the truth, the whole truth, etc., etc., and I think these pages will bear me out in that endeavour. I have sometimes behaved well, and I have sometimes behaved less than well, but I have resisted all attempts to present myself in a better light. There are no excisions designed to conceal errors of judgment. The Japanese would never dare to attack the USA unprovoked. No additions aimed at conferring an unearned sagacity— I don't like the cut of that Herr Hitler's jib, and no sly insertions to indicate canny prescience, if only there were some way to harness safely the power in the atom. For that is not the purpose of keeping a journal. We keep a journal to entrap that collection of selves that forms us, the individual human being. Think of our progress through time as one of those handy images that illustrate the ascent of man. You know the type— diagrams that begin with the shaggy ape and his ground-grazing knuckles, moving on through slowly straightening and depilating hominids until we reach the clean-shaven Caucasian nudist proudly clutching the haft of his stone axe or spear. All the intervening orders assume a form of inevitable progression towards this brawny ideal, but our human lives aren't like that, and a true journal presents us with the more riotous and disorganized reality. The various stages of development are there, but they are jumbled up, counterposed and repeated randomly. The selves jostle for prominence in these pages. The mono-browed Neanderthals shoulders aside axe-wielding Homo sapiens. The neurasthenic intellectual trips up the bedaubed aborigine. It doesn't make sense. The logical perceived progression never takes place. The true journal intime understands this fact, and doesn't try to posit any order or hierarchy, doesn't try to judge or analyse. I am all these different people. All these different people are me. Every life is both ordinary and extraordinary. It is the respective proportions of these two categories that makes that life appear interesting or humdrum. I was born on the 27th of February, 1906, in Montevideo, Uruguay, the sea-girt city on its bay in that small country wedged between beefy Argentina and broiling Brazil. The Switzerland of South America, it is sometimes dubbed, and the landlocked associations of that comparison are apt, for, despite their country's long coastline, the Republic is surrounded on three sides by water, the Atlantic, the vast estuary of the River Plate, and the broad Rio Uruguay. The Uruguayans themselves are defiantly non-seafaring, 
a fact that has always warmed my heart, divided as it is between sea-dog Britain and land-lubberly Uruguayan. My nature, true to its genetic heritage, is resolutely divided. I love the sea, but I love it viewed from a beach. My feet must always be planted on the strand. My father's name was Francis Mountstuart, born 1871. My mother's was Mercedes de Solis. She claimed to be descended from the first European, Juan Diaz de Solis, who set his foot on Uruguayan soil early in the 16th century, an unfortunate move on his part, as he and most of his band of explorers were swiftly killed by Charua Indians. No matter, my mother's preposterous boast is unverifiable. My parents met because my mother, who spoke good English, became my father's secretary. My father was the general manager of Foley and Cardoggins Fresh Meat Company's processing plant in Uruguay.